0: Hi, I'm Xavier McFarlane and welcome to the Catholic City Podcast from the Mary Foundation. Today's episode features Joe Hopkins, the Director of Adult Formation for Mission in the Diocese of Nottingham, England. Joe spent two years in university ministry, then eight years as a high school chaplain before taking on his current position, which includes young adult ministry, among many other responsibilities. We discussed the challenge of restarting after pandemic lockdowns. Joe's role doing spade work, as he calls it, that is, the logistical legwork required to make pretty much anything happen, the four critical ingredients in the recipe for starting a new young adult group, the importance of providing community opportunities for people after they quote-unquote age out of young adult years, and more. But first, if you want to learn more about Catholicism, or are looking for materials to evangelize family, friends, and fellow parishioners, Please visit the Mary Foundation at CatholicCity.com to order our Catholic scapulars, books, booklets, medals, and best-selling novels by Bud McFarlane. Sign up for Bud's Catholic City message, where he's been sharing profound insights, sage advice, and crazy stories for over 25 years. We are also the world's largest distributor of the Purple Scapular, given by Mary to the approved French mystic Marie-Julie Jeheny in the late 1800s. You can learn more at our website, CatholicCity.com. Hi, Joe. Thank you for being on. Uh, welcome to the podcast. We're here with Anthony Mencini. He's the Director of Outreach for CatholicAndAllGroups.org. How are you doing, Joe?
1: I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for the invitation to both to come on this podcast. It's uh, really is an honor uh, to uh, join you from all the way across the Atlantic.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry?
1: Absolutely. So, um, uh, my name is Joe. I'm um, the Director of Adult Formation for Mission for the Diocese of Nottingham, uh, which is um, in the East uh, Midlands of, of England, so if you imagine a map of the UK, pretty much about a, a kind of blob to the right um, there. And um, my role includes an, <laughs> a real collection of responsibilities, really. So I support parishes with evangelization, catechesis, discipleship, uh, parish renewal, young adults, which we mainly speak about today. Um, uh, What else do I do? Men and women's ministry, and currently uh, supporting a little bit with uh, marriage and family life. I think that's everything this week anyway. Wow,
0: that's a lot of different hats.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it feels feels like I'm a hat stand uh, more than anything else I've got to say. not quite sure what I'm talking about one day to the next
0: so how did you get into this and maybe for our most of our listeners are based on the north american continent so like perhaps mm. if there's differences in how things are set up you could although you probably wouldn't yeah, know absolutely. what's different necessarily uh, well, we talked about a little yeah uh, but why don't you just start with how, how'd you end up there like what got you into ministry
1: excellent question so um i'm a cradle catholic and um, both my parents are uh, from ireland so very much a uh, Catholic faith uh, in our family was the same of breathing or eating. You went to mass for Friday a Friday month. You went to confession. There was no other way of doing things. Like I used to joke that our family at home had more um, religious art than the Vatican. Um, <laughs> and it was very, very funny when uh, bringing back friends from school who weren't um, Catholic or anything like that. And just they're greeted by their last supper as soon as they walk into the house. Um, So I had a fantastic upbringing of really being involved in my parish. I went off to university with the um, idea of being an actor or working in theatre or media and kind of the background of things. And uh, God had other ideas uh, for me altogether. So um, I tried to avoid getting involved with our kind of university chaplaincy because my brother had a strange experience at his university. I have just determined to find my local parish. And on my first day in university, I went to um, the Chaplaincy Centre to find out where the nearest parish was and bumped into the Catholic chaplain, who who, when I asked him where my nearest Catholic church was. He said, I am your nearest Catholic church. <laughs> and uh, he's a fantastic guy, Father Julian Green. Um, he really kind of uh, challenged me to kind of go deeper and deeper into my faith, uh, to think a little bit more and not just uh, kind of... Give, give, oh, well, this is what Catholics are supposed to do, so I better do it, but actually love the faith to really kind of make it um, based on my personal relationship with Christ. So by the end of my uh, three years um, at university, I knew that I had no interest in being an actor anymore and the desire of fame. Actually, I had a big moment in the States. I came across for a, um, a Focus conference, because we were looking to see if we could bring Focus to the UK at that time. And I went into a... a a talk about life after graduation and a thought popped into my head when I was thinking about I had all these opportunities, of kind of been able to go and do lighting at Glastonbury, like our big music festival in the UK, um, I had some uh, work experience lined up on a TV show for the BBC, and uh, I'm thinking, like, I'm beginning to kind of get a name for myself. I've got opportunities, like, mm-hmm. would I miss out if I like, kind of gave more of my, my life, my career to uh, Christ? And this thought popped into my head of going into this talk, if it better to be known but for a generation on earth or eternity in heaven. And I can't remember the rest of the talk, but the uh, priest who had given the talk concluded going, that if essentially is, if it better to be known for a generation on earth or eternity in heaven. I was like, oh, God's given me a bit of a push here. So I then describe what, uh, of falling into a kind of a career in different ministry, uh, really. That opportunity's just suddenly started appearing and people are saying, I've seen this job. I think you'd be good going for it. And, uh, the Holy Spirit has guided me, uh, to where he wanted me. So I had, um, two years of university lay chaplain, um, and then, uh, about, about, yeah, about, uh, eight years as a, um, Uh, High school and elementary school, if you'd say, or we'd say secondary and primary, um, uh, chaplain, and then overseeing uh, chaplaincy in schools for 25 um, uh, schools across Derbyshire, which was great fun. And uh, then this opportunity came to work for the diocese, and this, I remember when I left university, I came across the person who'd done this job before, and I was like, that looked like the most amazing job in the world. So when it came up, I thought, I'm way too young to be able to get this, but I'm going to apply for the experience and um, then I couldn't believe it when they turned around and offered me the job so one of the first things I was really keen on was uh, developing a young adult ministry in the diocese we had really strong school ministries we had really strong kind of youth ministry coming from the diocese we had a retreat center that will full every weekend but they'll like a you um, when you got to 18 they were cliff face and mm-hmm. you might not be if, you might find a good university chaplaincy if you went to university. A lot of my friends didn't I go to university and you might be the odd one out in your parish. So one of the things I was right keen on was establishing a young adult ministry uh, when I got going.
2: How long would you say your young adult ministry has been in existence? Um, there wasn't, and, and just to be clear, there wasn't anything before you came in. No. Seen. wow. Uh,
1: yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. So we had a couple of attempts when I was a school chaplain. A few of us tried to get things going, volu- voluntary guys, and uh, some things worked. We had a couple of retreat days, but it was just the kind of the capacity of when, especially a couple of school chaplains, and we were given a lot during the day in kind of ministry, and then trying to then, in an evening, organize something that felt similar, and also trying to get out of the headspace of speaking to, like, 10 year olds or hmm. 15 year olds to actually speak into fellow adults. So we had, we had a few things, but it wasn't consistent. You know, things would pop up and then they'd kind of fade off and or we'd have like a low turnout and we'd be kind of disgruntled and everything like that. So, um, I felt now that I had this opportunity full time working in adult formation that to kind of just start with a, um, getting a group together and I was uh, very blessed that cover around the same time. Uh, we had two new vocation directors appointed for the diocese, and their primary focus they felt was to reach young adults and establish the idea and the kind of pulling out of, you know, from uh, Lumen Gentium, the first vocation, the call to holiness. And then from that, all mm-hmm. the other particular vocations uh, come. So it was pushing against an open door and having two priests who were uh, madly interested in supporting me uh, so we decided to start basing out of the cathedral um, and so that was two years ago in that just having a monthly gathering where we had a time of prayer um a, a talk of form, for formation maybe sometimes for the opportunity to question and answer afterwards finishing with night prayer and then going to a local pub for some uh, social time well we kind of scouted out some young adults we knew in the diocese to help a bit of a kind of voluntary committee who kind of came up with the ideas of what they're looking for formation-wise and then we set to work booking speakers and um, organising things. We've had a couple of retreats. We're very blessed to have a wonderful Marian shrine in Walsingham. Um, at one stage uh, back before the Reformation, it was the after Rome and uh, the Holy Land, it was the third biggest pilgrimage site in the world. Uh, so we've been there a few times and um, we've also now spread to two more cities, so three um, Thursdays a month, we have um, the opportunity for young adults to gather together. We call it a Christif visit after the um, uh, Pope's... Uh, I it Yeah, it's an exaltation, not an encyclical um, apostolic exaltation uh, on vocation, on uh, discernment, on, uh, on young people. We've got quite a good name to kind of their Christ of alive and calling into idea of life and we also wanted it of a space where people regardless of what of their kind of spirituality or their stage and faith could find of a home so we have often praise and worship but then we'll have night prayer as uh, as you'd expect uh, from the book we have sung benediction so that's no matter what people's particular um spirituality or way of worship that really brings them close to christ they'd find that uh, there in our evening
2: that's incredibly organized. My hats off to you. <laughs> yeah, Oh, that's great. I'm curious. Um, you you had mentioned that two two priests were just ready to help. They uh, and they're yeah. really going. Um, that's something that uh, with Xavier and my ministry, it I can't say it lacks completely because we we have mm-hmm. a, a holy hour ourselves every week, and we're able to get a priest to come hear confessions and help out in that way. And I feel like if there's anything I'd choose for a priest to do out of everything that we do, it's to come hear confessions during our holy hour. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm curious um, how much guidance does the clergy really uh, give you or do they just kind of um, sort of from their point of authority essentially give you their blessing and it's just kind of a nice thing to say, you know, have them around or, or are they very active in your ministry? I guess it's my question versus just kind of like giving you space every once in a while and, you know, just kind of being there. Um,
1: yeah. That's, yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, definitely one thing that I kind of really uh, was delighted about was that um, I felt there needed to be a kind of clerical presence, have you say, particularly. Um, often, we find in parishes, uh, sadly, we find uh, confession by appointment, which often means nobody makes an appointment. Right. Wherever, if it's just free, if That's just exactly it's just <laughs> people yeah. come along because, you know, they can just turn up and know that they have a priest waiting for them in the confessional. So, we knew, we knew that was going to be a major element, even to a point, actually, where more. Like focused on actually having regular confession over the regular celebration of mass because you can find that anywhere Mm -hmm. really you can thanks be to God (laughs) and uh, things in 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 England are definitely a lot smaller we kind of uh, our parishes are probably um, kind of small communities and our deaneries are kind of side parishes compared to America Uh, so we you'd be able to get daily mass somewhere. In, in every one of those cities, I'd say every day, even if you're working full time, you might find a early mass somewhere on an evening mass within an hour's drive. Not mm. not a problem. So, But we thought actually the celebration of uh, the sacrament of reconciliation is a bit harder to find. Sure. And uh, so, as you say, having that time of um, in h- holy hour to actually where the Lord kind of just stirs on, on your heart is great to just be able to have confession ab- available straight away. Mm. And there have never been a time in the two years across the three sites where we've we're now kind of gathering, where at one of the sessions, the, the priest has been there sat for the whole time and nobody's come in. Uh, so very important uh, the clerical role. Uh, one of the things when we when I've chatted through with our bishop about this and how developing and the fact that we wanted to work together he have like said, oh, where does this sit? Does this sit of a vocations project? If this a young adult, uh, sorry, a adult formation uh, project? where Where is it? And we've kind of, I think it's been quite good because we've known each other for a few years that it comfortably floats between the two. So I've, I've seen my role, uh, which hopefully I'll be passing on soon because we've just gone to advert for taking on somebody full-time uh, to expand uh, the ministry. Um but very much the like the uh, the spade work of everything, mm-hmm. the sending out the emails the booking the speakers, the making sure uh, the churches are set up, and then because our our two priests, both of them are in very active parishes of all of their and role involved in schools and all sorts of hospital uh, rotors, right. so the fact that they don't have to think about those things that can turn up is is fantastic uh, really so we we work really well together in that in our um so that was kind of mainly in Nottingham, and they've got the overall kind of chaplain role to the ministry, really. Uh, so they'll always make sure they're present on the pilgrimages or on the retreats. And then when we got going, it was great because a, um, a priest in the neighboring city of Derby um, had heard great things about what we're doing from, from parishioners who were coming across and said, Can we set up a group in Derby? And we we're like, Yeah, let's give it a go. And it it started really small about a handful maybe six or seven young adults come in and then we then had that just grew so quickly and um, really took off and he's a real passionate support he got given an extra parish so we're using like the city centre parish even though it wasn't his so he was coming across to support it and he was given a, a second parish to look after which was just outside the city centre and he was like let's make this like a base so we had a, a it was easier to kind of like trying to get a hold of keys and things like that. Um, it was very much felt like a real home for us there. And then a similar thing happened, um, after about six months, of that, maybe less than that, um, of the Derby one going. I got a call from a priest I knew who just moved, uh, to a parish in Leicester, which is about, uh, 15 miles, maybe 20 miles, uh, south of, um, of Nottingham. And, um, he'd heard about the great things we're doing and, uh, he was wanting to kind of get it going in Leicester. So we've got a group of people. He found some people together, kind of big, like kind of organizing group. And um, we started that last month and we've got, um, so that was a re- one of those things where you're just like praying, like, Lord, please somebody turn up. But So we've, but the Holy Spirit's really been at work that we've been invited into places. We've not had to kind of really push. And what we're seeing now with like the Leicester group just started, the Derby group is, definitely more settled and the nottingham group is now wanting to go deeper than just a monthly gathering of prayer and um which is important but actually kind of real deep formation more than you can get in a half an hour 45 minute talk really so that's where i've been delighted that the um the diocese has um and the finance uh, committee in the diocese have responded to the growth and put up a, um, a full-time position. So we're going to give it a go for two years and see if we can um, go with that. So it's the big thing for me will be a bit like for, for Father Neil and Father Liam, our, our vocation directors, of letting go and letting that person run with it, setting our kind of strategic aim, what what we're looking for, but then trusting that person we appoint to be able to get on with it, really. So we're, we're very lucky that there's been really positive relation for the clergy. And... Um, in our diocese.
2: That's amazing, Joe. You know, unified front is crucial here, and mm. yeah, I I don't think I can't. I I would say we have that in Cleveland for sure, but the dynamics different in that this um the young adult ministry um opportunities are I don't want to say saturated, but they're they're plentiful. So mm. Mm. you know. But they're very grassroots. You know, there's there's a couple, I would say maybe, there, there used to be, actually, the Diocesan Initiatives for Young Adult Ministry, um, they're hit or miss, you know? Um, yeah. Which is fine. You know, they they support in the way that they, they should, in my opinion. Um, they really do give us the support that, that we require in order to be successful. But the dynamic isn't like that where they are coming to our aid and, you know, um, they, they give us all the resources we need in in terms of clergy. They give us some of that. I don't want to say that they're not, but it sounds like everybody's unified over there. And that's a, that's a, it kind of gives me hope for you know other dioceses, you know they just they catch wind of young adult ministry being like this new thing sort of yeah which it is it's like you know there's a gap almost everywhere you go um cleveland being the exception um so it's just it, we find ourselves in a position to have to sell ourselves to the diocese at least we did early on um in terms of getting support and all that stuff and they, they were willing to do it for sure um but yeah, a little difference there. Did you have something to say?
0: Yeah. I just, I guess it's a more practical side question. When you help these priests set up, what does that actually look like? Like, what are you doing? What are they doing?
1: Yeah, the the, the, the f- great question. Yeah, and uh, definitely a point about a um, about the kind of role of the diocese compared to kind of like grassroots. Um, uh, first, in that point. Uh, for myself and uh for many of my friends from university and so on who um, and actually a lot of the guys involved with um uh the the organizing of this cross the diocese the majority of um our formation have come from lay ministries outside diocesan structures got some great ones U 2000 the charismatic renewal Latin mass society um They've really uh, fantastic. They have festivals, retreats and uh, things like that have really kind of helped people encounter Christ and the beauty of the Catholic Church. And they're not, that's not really done on a parish level. So when I came into my role with parish renewal, so central to it, I was aware that a lot of the people who were on fire and faith with the diocese, well, sometimes, um, which is not fair to say of all, I'll definitely say, but sometimes almost in spite of their parish experience, not because of their parish experience. And uh, bringing this across to the young adult ministry is that I didn't want to make this a, um, a little kind of silo away from parishes. So the, one of the big things that we committed to was that we wouldn't do things on Sundays. We want to have a young adult mass like regularly. We have once a year for Christ the King Sunday, uh, which in, uh, I'm not sure if it's in the same in the States, but that's na- known of National Youth Sunday in the UK. And uh, so Bishop invites um, young adults from craft diocese to the cathedral. He always has done since he uh, was made Bishop about eight years ago now to celebrate mass with him and join him for a pint. Um, and so w- one thing I thought, if, if I want priests to be on side, I don't want to decimate their leaders. I don't want to take away their, uh, if uh, they may, might be leading the music in their parish or their parish MC, parish catechist. Um, I don't want to be seen to be a um, in opposition to them or of a kind of a rival. So we're very much committed that what we do stuff, we do midweek or we do on a Saturday um, so that the Sunday experience for encouraging people to engage with the parish. Um, uh, regarding... Um, so zave you your um your question there uh, I've just slipped my mind
0: um it's just more of like the on the ground practical work of when a oh, priest... oh yeah what it looks yeah. like
1: yeah uh, thank you sorry about that um yeah so uh, what i've kind of said when i contacted contacted i said like this sounds good how do we get it going here and i said well we need we need three things we need a church uh, where we can uh, we can meet and that you'll even the simple things of like, you're going to turn the heating on for us. And we had <laughs> on the first time trying to work out how to turn on a bit of parish heating, which is not the, when you've got people coming out on a rainy November night mm-hmm. and, uh, the, the kind of way it's actually warmer outside. Uh, so, um, so that we've got a church that we can regularly use. And, um, secondly, that we'll have a local priest because sometimes if, uh, Father Neil or Father Liam can't come across, who's going to be a kind of support as well. And then the third thing, or four things actually, I just remember the fourth one. The third thing that he will point me towards young adults in the area who he knows, who think will be interested in, even if it's just a commitment of the first six sessions, helping organize it. Maybe somebody to play guitar or somebody uh, who can help welcome people or just come up with ideas about talks they'd like to hear. And then the fourth thing is a local pub. That they, they 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 can promise me there's somewhere nearby that we can socialise afterwards, which I think is often very key. Uh, really, uh, that they've got the opportunity to, kind of not, uh, not a, if not a drinking club that for certain it's not <laughs> if not a big uh, alcohol heavy, but the fact that we've got somewhere where we can relax a relaxed environment mm-hmm. uh, where we can sometimes share a meal or just have a quick drink before heading off because we've got work in the morning. Um, that we've got the opportunity to, um, to socialise afterwards and grow the community. The bit of a kind of tagline I've given to our young uh, adult ministry is uh, to grow in holiness and to grow in community. And uh, that that's the aim, really. So I, I say if you can provide uh, those things, we'll make everything else happen, really. And um, I've, I've been very blessed uh, that that has happened and uh, that people, young adults, have responded to it uh, and come along because if they didn't turn up it'd be it'd be a waste of time uh, really and that they've seen that this is something that they're going to invest their time in is so important sure
0: yeah i really i really like getting your perspective on from sort of the helping from above view mm. um i also just side note it's always kind of funny when sometimes people bring up we the bar or pub thing and we're like yeah when we sat down we we're like where can we go that's a public space that's open in the evening and bars are the only answer. And it's like, oh, (laughs) you're going to the bar. It's like, well, what are we going to do? Go to the park? It's dark. It's cold.
1: Yeah. Yeah, especially um, in in our Derby group, we have a lot of um, international students where um, particularly this is seen as a bit of a kind of a a cultural taboo. So we've tried to kind of adapt that. And um, we're very lucky in saying Derby that the parish center it connects to the church and a of the parish priest lets have full reign of it with we'll occasionally you've that to try and put people a little bit more at ease. But you're right. It's, um, I remember when I left, uh, would be uh, high school. Uh, my brother saying to me of like, you know, this is, um, what are you going to face now is like this a uh, hard moment of whenever you want to meet up with your friends, it's going to cost you because you're going to either have to go to a bar or to a restaurant or to like a coffee shop. And uh, you haven't got just the, the kind of free spirit of just being able to hang out somewhere together and i'm like oh. so yeah if one of those things really hopefully um they have a great um ministry in sheffield which is the neighboring diocese to us where they've got a um mission hub uh, for young adults so it's a um a, a site that was left in a legacy to the um to the diocese with the aim that it had to be used towards either university or young adult ministry so some of the land was sold off where the university built halls of residence. And then in the middle of it, if this little Catholic church with a center attached, which have like a coffee shop and the idea of a space for young adults to meet and uh, to kind of come to know the Lord. So that's my dream. <laughs> just need a couple of uh, million just to kind of uh, for mm-hmm. a city center Real site, really. for yeah. so something like that, where we could just have that available to people day to day would be, would just be incredible.
2: In our experience, People really enjoy the, the bar aspect after the meeting, because ours is structured in a, in a similar way. Yeah, yeah. Um, But Xavier and I put a particular emphasis on the hanging out at the bar afterward. We really thought that um, it was a, it was a casual setting where people can um, you know approach each other um, in a in a social sense. And it's not that you mm-hmm. can't do that at the meeting, but there's, it's like there's structure to the meeting. There's no real structure to the pub part. So, mm-hmm. um, implementing that has really helped the community kind of grow together and develop relationships and that sort of thing. So, I think, you know, even though people have to spend a little money or, you know, some people might not even yeah. drink. It's like just the environment has a, a positive effect on everybody as a
1: whole Um and i think one of the great one of the great things for us uh, as you say is um that that relaxed manner is very much when you see about how jesus approached things he said like when people said if i'd come and see come and eat with me it was that kind of the relaxed atmosphere he did the teaching publicly but he also did the kind of one-to-one just spending time uh with, with people and you've got the other side of it's a great witness like we have two uh, we're one priest, one of pre farly him, he he's never out of a cassock. So like he walks into the bar and people stop and look and then ask what's kind of going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> really, we we had we had one week I think, of the Derby one where the guy came up to um, to one of the priests and just said like, just check him. This isn't like like a, like a um, stag do or like a um, bachelor party or something yeah. like you know in fancy dress. And he was just like, no, no, I'm, I'm priest. Was like oh can I can have a chat I haven't, I haven't been to church in years and everything like that it was yeah. kind of a, a lats catholic so kind of off he went to the side and it's that kind of that that witness really that he saw a group of very joyful y- young adults about 15 20 of us kind of coming in with a couple of priests relaxed having a drink having a laugh catching up with how everyone is and there's some great friendships that I've seen form of people get to know each other meeting outside of the meetings to um uh, to just do life together, to be friends. And uh, which is, I think, in this age group of um, hearing on a podcast the other day of the highest age group for loneliness now, we often think it might be the elderly, but actually the um, college age to maybe just young professional is they have a great loneliness in society. That's
2: huge, man. You know, people have this, they think of the church as you got to be in, you definitely have to be like this, this faithful Catholic who's goes to mass every day or or whatever part of this club in order to engage with it. But when you have a priest come to the pub like that, people are like, wow, you know, this isn't an opportunity that you you get every day. Um,
0: yeah, two thoughts. I just, I just like that you have it down as a system. You're like, Hey, here's the four things. (laughs) Like if you are a priest, here's the four things and I'll help with the leg workers. You said the spade work. Um, Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I like that one of them is that it, it sort of off, offloads the work from one person onto several who have the right, the right place for it. Like the local priest is the one who's going to know a few local young adults. Maybe they don't have mm-hmm. like the skills or experience to start the group or know exactly what to do, but then you come in and you're like, Hey, I can have programs for you. I can have guidance. And it's like, just give me some space. Give me a couple people, a priest sometimes, and we'll have a group going and then it works which I think is something a lot of priests despair in. They like might try to hire somebody in or just like sort of hope one day somebody comes up and says, hey, can I start a young adult group? But getting the knowledge that this is actually a pretty easily replicable thing out there is really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've One thing we're really keen on is keeping it simple and um, also allowing groups to kind of find their own footing of how they do things. And not being set up. like if you're going to call it crypto vivid it must look exactly like this uh, because um that, that people have different ways of doing things as long as a kind of like a space for kind of prayer formation and fellowship then it, if great whatever order that's done in is totally up, up to the groups it, they've been very similar uh, so far but it, it kind of expands into as you' were saying there about um ch- trying to Uh, find people for the right work is that what we want to expand we're we're, we're hoping of kind of creating a young adult formation program and kind of different kind of pathway of approaching it but really that we're kind of forming um a group in more intense way than we might would do in the kind of meetings so that we want to get to the point where once a week there is something for somebody in one of our deaneries uh so we've got nine deaneries across the diocese and um we're currently in three, so we're a third of the way there. Um But there'll be some areas like the uh, Peak District, uh, which is kind of uh, very rural, where if people are going to be more spread out and they haven't got a university base there. They haven't got those things. So we want to be able to build up those city centre groups more so that we can, can kind of pass on to the local team to run so that we can focus more on the area where more support is needed. So... Have you say, it's like finding the right people for the right roles, and often I think there's a temptation, I'm not sure if it's the same in the States, that unless the priest does it, it doesn't happen. Or unless the priest initiates it, it's not legit. Or even sometimes, if the priest doesn't turn up uh, to, to a, like a planning or meeting or something, then we, we can't do anything. Um, the we're, we're very lucky that we have um, priests who've made themselves available, but at the same time, it should be for them that they just Rock up shiver, throw a stole on and get in the confessional or throw in our humor veil and give us benediction and then spend time with us and not worry about what time's the speaker arriving, if the microphone set up, um what's happening next time, have the emails gone out on our mailing list and things like that. So, um allowing priests to be priests and lay people to be lay people.
0: <laughs> right, right. Like our priest at our parish just got named pastor of two other local parishes. Um like our diocese just got hit with a big wave of retirement from sort of the baby boomer era. And it's like yeah. he's he's already swamped with one pretty decently sized mm-hmm. parish. Now he's got two more to manage. And it's like he can't do it. He can show up sometimes. Yeah. But it's it's almost like each person involved has the, can have the wrong mindset. Like the priest can have the mindset of like, if I can't, I can't do that. So it's not going to happen. And the lay person's like, "Well, why isn't the priest doing it?" It's sort of just just flip that, and then it works.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I've, I think sometimes a lot of the the breakdown I've seen kind of parishes where oh, initiatives not happening, of everything is that there's no communication. The priest is swamped by what's going on. He's barely keeping his head above water and trying to be a full-time priest, as you say, in the same way that he always was in one parish and then he'd given two or uh, two others, one other, and they're trying to be a full-time priest, a full-time pastor to all these people as if they were had one parish and two curates with them. Um, and then at the same time, and they're not kind of communicating that, and at the same time, the people aren't communicating what they need and what they want. And so it's great being able to kind of be in a, a Darson role where I've got the backing of the bishop and the leadership of the diocese, so i mean, presenting something they know it's legitimate, and um actually having those conversations of like this is what we're asking of you father I'm not asking you to to run this all but if just keep an eye eye out for young adults in your parish, point them towards this and uh like the, the group that've just started in Leicester, uh the parish priest there he I've known him for years uh really and was uh, my brother's parish priest before he moved and uh he found out that like a when he moved over a parish um that soccer group uh, for, for some young lads in the parish and um, he asked them what, what time they uh, they play Any of like 8 o'clock and normally our sessions are 6.15 to 8 o'clock so he said Joe I want us to finish 10 minutes before 8 like just to give 10-15 minutes before 8 uh, just so that I've got I've got five lads who've said they're definitely going to come sometimes they can have like 30-35 lads turn up to this parish football so, if we have the five lads still t- being able to get to the football on time next time, they'll gr- bring another five with them uh, because uh, go. they'll go. Actually, you can do both. You can come to this, and you can still go and play football. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so that that's uh, really, really, really helpful of actually knowing what the priest can do and what we can do, and um, and doing it. So,
2: hypothetically and perhaps inevitably, um, you will. At least the goal is to continue to you know you go into those um um would you call them you're in you're in three of the nine what
1: uh, deaneries so, deaneries uh, yeah like, I'm not sure if it's structured the same so like there would be a collection of parishes uh, in, in a kind oh. of local area with kind of overseen by um, a, a dean right and uh, the idea of kind of getting the parishes uh, to work together more and kind of. Spreading out the responsibility.
2: Right. So the goal is to get an all nine. And once yeah. you are an all nine, you know, and a couple years pass, and I'm talking, you know, years and years from now. Um, yeah. Everybody who's in the age group of young adult will and, and wants to participate in young adult formation will be in there already. Um, so it kind of begs the question, what, what happens when these people age out? um do you, uh, yeah the the influx of younger people coming into young adult formation is definitely a priority at that point I would say and perhaps uh, based on our last conversation maybe it's a priority for you now uh you said you have a uh, strong connection to the local university around there yeah how do you reach yeah, out abso- to them I,
1: I, I've, I've, absolutely this is uh, something that's definitely I'm really beginning to see what our kind of first group I sandy if into its third year if that we had some people in their mid to late 20s who were just married or or like just about to get married and now two three years down the line they, they're now kind of expecting children and um if coming out on a weeknight is not gonna be so easy but they're still in our kind of age bracket of young adults of 18 to 35 um and they're then going to go back to how it was two, three years ago where they don't feel of maybe well connected or well supported. And so I would say if having those in those areas, but those have kind of start to kind of graduate the top end because there's such an age gap in, in between 18 and 35. In fact, yeah, that's based in. around the world youth day kind of age group. You consider actually that's a, that's a 17 year age gap. That's Like basically double the age. <laughs> You've got people at the top end that could be parents to the ones at the bottom end. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> So if we're trying to um, establish, once we've got this uh, young adult ministry uh, lead person in role, is that we develop a, a network for young parents. So we talk about often in the church, young families where we're focusing on what they're with for children. But actually, someone who gone and got married in their early 20s and everything like that, they may find that they those who are in fellow kind of parent groups that were, are much older uh, than they are. Or that the other parents in the church are kind of more well established, maybe in the late thirties or forties, and um, so we want to be able to kind of bring those together, and um, so they've got support. I'm not sure what that might look like it'll probably be less frequent. It may be um, four or five times a year, if that. And uh, really looking at how we can kind of support them in that role. A key thing I would say is to be looking to continually add to our kind of leadership team that they um n- have new people come through and show potential that kind of they're brought in. So we don't have suddenly a kind of cliff edge when someone leaves that we've got continued succession planning. But yeah, something that we've begun to identify right now, really that we need to be um thinking ahead of, right. Especially uh, some of those who might be involved um with, especially the one in Derby, with uh, Quite, quite a few who are university students they're coming to the end of their degree now and they could go anywhere they might stay in the city but they might go back home uh to um to where they came from originally or they might go somewhere else uh, because that's where the work is so it's a constant um spotting new people and it wouldn't happen i think in a parish context of, of much of where you might be in a parish three or four years before you kind of even involved in kind of a ministry some people might jump in straight away but the fact you might go from getting involved in ministry and six months later might be on the organizing group is um is quite big but i think that's what you it has to be done really of kind of spotting who are the people who look really committed who are really actually getting so much from this because they're going to be the easy ones to say yes to being part of expanding it uh, really and at the same time what is it that that next age group in the young adult bracket needs they're not going to need a kind of uh, a Thursday night uh, talk and a pub visit, but they might need a Saturday morning, some, uh, something else, or they might need a a session where you're bringing in people to kind of put on a crèche so the two of them can sit together and actually have a conversation or pray together. So it would be, if I'm really excited about, uh, uh, I've got so many uh, beseeching the Holy Spirit and every saint in heaven. Uh, that we get uh, we get someone who'll really uh, be able to bring a creative and engaging insight into this about how we reach even more young adults in, in the diocese. Because I know we're, we're barely scratching the surface of those who are out there. Really,
2: is there something already in place for the next level y- young adult ministry? Or I'm sorry, young um, families ministry of sorts? Uh,
1: yeah. So um, we're, tra- we're we've. Uh, there's a thing called uh, Teams of Our Lady I'm not sure if that's across from the States I'm actually sure where it came from originally I think it might be French uh, which is an opportunity for couples to um, uh, Catholic couples to meet together and kind of discuss and share their faith kind of like small groups but that's something that we're currently trying to bring into the diocese um, uh, and say we find uh, that uh, those who are at the kind of top age bracket range are, are normally kind of single so they've Currently, the, there isn't we tr- the Trista vivid gatherings are a bit kind of one-size-fits-all, which is not quite uh, the case. So we're very much at the beginning point kind of looking at what that could look like and uh, what it might need to look like. Um, and I know myself, uh, I'm now 33, and uh, I really do feel a bit like kind of the old man in the room when some of the kind of 19-year-olds or 20-year-olds um, uh, join us. Sure. Uh, so, so at the same time we kind of want to encourage them to have a bigger role in their parish but again if the if the peer-to-peer ministry is so important that it's good to have cross uh, cross cross-generational ministry and we do have quite strong men's and women's events that happen uh, twice a year in our diocese and in some parishes they're expanding that more Uh, but the actual if you're kind of spending your time at work with people similar age but you don't really have someone that's similar to your age to have conversations with about faith it can be very tricky. So that's where we'll kind of look into this role that we can have somebody who have the capacity to take that on and, um, and, and make it what it needs to be.
2: So during our conversation a couple of weeks ago, mm. um, you had mentioned on the other end now, uh, when it comes to university outreach and getting people in who are finishing their degree, um, you had mentioned, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, There's there are less and less people these days going to university, and uh, they just kind of go from high school into trades or uh, wherever the work is at that point, point. Um, and they're harder to reach, but they're an increasing number. Um, is there a plan for that um, over there in, in your diocese, or... Um, is that still kind of a mystery for you?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Definitely. Uh, I've uh, seen it that the, um, the cost of university degrees are just skyrocketing. No, I it's say that in the UK, like man. nothing compared yeah. to what you guys <laughs> <laughs> face in the States. Like we get government loans and everything that like you pay back about 20, 20 quid um, a month after oh, really? it's and so yeah like and, and I think it, if it's something like after twenty five years if you've not paid it back, it just gets wiped away, so it's uh, so we've got nothing to complain about <laughs> compared to the states sure when I think uh, yeah, so uh but it's still for a lot of people, they look at it and say like, how is that gonna make me more employable and so there have been a lot more uh uh young adults kind of going into into apprenticeships uh f- straight from school or just into the workplace, and they're definitely much harder to identify than university students, Uh, because we have university, a campus ministry where we can kind of, that's an inlay into them. They might be less connected to their parish. um, Often we can sometimes be a bit um, elitist in our formation that we're hitting the kind of the middle classes, um, in the kind of like the university educated or kind of uh, rather than kind of actually reaching those across all walks of life so there there needs the need to be something in particular of how do we reach these people how do we reach um, and I've got to say I think uh, our group in Leicester might be the best way for us to kind of approach that a bit more as we are finding in that group that there are um, in the parish that it's based in, we've got a huge um, community of people uh, in, in a real uh, high immigration area where university isn't um, as widely um, gone on to. So the fact that they're still connected to the parish is kind of key thing. So that's why um, I'm, I'm amazed in our first meeting. We didn't have any students at all, um, so many people at work working or kind of just left school. So that is, as you say, still a bit of a mystery, still a bit of a mystery, but for them to find that we don't lose um uh, these people, as you say, particularly those who kind of go into trades, trade, there's still a kind of, uh, particularly among uh, young men, a kind of stigma of kind of like that these are the kind of rough and ready guys, these are the ones who maybe might not be of open to kind of uh prayer which is not the case at all like was, yeah. my, when I think about my parents and grandparents generation like they like uh, they went onto the building site for their rosaries and their miraculous medals and they stopped at 12 for the angelus and kind of the ash mm-hmm. workers and um so it's definitely something that probably the a generational change And we we do need to do more. on. So if anybody listening to this podcast has the answer, please do hit me up (laughs) because I want to know it.
0: Yeah, I think about that too. And I think it's one of those things, part of why we have this podcast and we started the the whole website in the first place, was just to get it into the zeitgeist that young adult ministry and groups and friendships and life in a parish as a young adult is a thing. Um, Mm. I think most places that are, you know, have a parish that's been around or, or a diocese that exists, you know, not necessarily mission territory kind of thing. People know what youth ministry is. People know there's the men's groups and like the older people's rosary groups, but it just doesn't, doesn't even occur to anyone that young adult ministry is a thing or that you can go to a young adult group. And I think the more we do this and sort of just get it into culture at every level of you know Catholic life that, oh yeah, like you go to your youth group, you go to your high school group, and maybe your university group, and then you got the young adult group. Like, it's just there. Yeah. And people know about it. Because other than that, it's pretty much just like peer-to-peer word of mouth is really the only yeah. way. Unless we want, like, we've tried Instagram ads before with not much success, but we didn't like, you know, it's just, it's just sort of local to the Yeah, How could you know? And, yeah. and like, people click on it or tap on it, but there's no... So far, no one's come up and like when I ask how how'd you hear about it, they're so like, "Oh, I saw an Instagram ad." But you don't yeah. really put that much and money in the you spend on it,
1: you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, "Yeah, yeah." I definitely agree with that it's um, it's if just if would say getting into the zeitgeist, getting into the kind of the culture that this this is possible. It reminds me, I was saying to my wife recently, uh, the lady leaves our uh, parish music group. Uh, her youngest uh, child just went off to university. And I was like, oh, hold on. When I joined the parish, she was like, he was like, he, he, he was really young. Yeah, I think he'd like just made the first Holy Communion. I thought, and then I'm working out her age and I'm like, that means when I joined the parish of this age, was about two, three years older than I am now. And she's already established in the parish as the person who music. Oh, there's more I should be doing, really, at my, like, um, 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 my age. I'm kind of, no uh, need to do, do it more. So, yeah, absolutely. We kind of see that. Those kind of roles, those kind of things in the parish, that's, that that for the proper grown ups, if, if you will, really like when we when we get to that age, you're there and I think actually, often the group was started by people when they were in their twenties or in their thirties um, in the parish.
2: Is there? Um, it, it was. I just had this thought about um, young adult ministry coming into the. You said the zeitgeist. Um, at least in Cleveland, there were attempts at it before. Um, particularly I think in our region it was in the 90s or the early 2000s there were groups around that since don't exist. Um, was there any attempts before? And it's probably it's basically a an and you can expand on it if you'd like Joe, but um, in our case, those people simply just grew out of it you know they found the leaders specifically of those groups they found a spouse and they just didn't they didn't want to have, you know, a Thursday gathering and a pub session afterward, you know. Um so it's not like this stuff hasn't been tried before, but I think perhaps now and we're we're trying to usher in this new era where it's going to last. Has that been tried mm. before over there where, you know,
1: recent past? It- <laughs> Hmm. The, the only thing I, I'm kind of really aware of is there was um, something I think it was quite big across uh, the UK really called um, Young Christian Workers and it was, it was aimed it was very similar actually when you're talking it came back to me I was like oh, actually yeah that was big in the 80s and kind of pieced away near the end of the 90s yeah. where well, the idea of kind of coming together prayer. and actually I think it probably came from the US I think it was um, uh, oh, I've forgotten the name Dirty Day Oh my god, mixed up at the uh thing. Um, who kind of very much the idea of coming together to pray to um to see, pray and act was kind of the, the structure of that that led into kind of actual works of service as well. So yeah, that seems to be something that that did die off. So they've always they <laughs> that that could happen. Hmm. But um yeah, definitely for my generation by the time my generation's of kinda of hitting late teens, eighteen, hmm. there will was, there was nothing that you could see. Right. to be out there with the exception of the national lay movements or like national stuff, mm-hmm. but not in a kind of diocese or parish level.
2: Sure. And I guess as, um, just shifting gears again, just to kind of cover the the notes that I took during our conversation. Um, so more internal in terms of retention, you know, cause in our ministries, Xavier and I, we, um, We've had plenty of people come maybe, you know, for a meeting or two, but they just don't mm-hmm. come back, you know. Um, and it'd be safe to say, I mean, they, they probably have their own reasons that kind of are out of our control. But um, we have our methods of trying to keep people in the loop and, you know, uh, somewhat try to reach out to them again after they haven't come in a while, that sort of thing. Um, but you had mentioned... Your are calling or your goal with your ministry is to set hearts on fire. If you um, can you expand upon what that i uh, like the ethos of that idea is and how you kind of go about it.
1: Um, yeah, I suppose it kind of comes to a bit of my own kind of faith story, really, because I think a lot, there's a lot that we do with Catholics that sometimes is promoted by Catholic guilt. Like oh we've got a, uh, we've got a canonical obligation to go to mass on Sunday for a better make sure we're there and sometimes we kind of drag ourselves there and it, uh, we're not mentally or um, our hearts aren't there really mm. uh, so but I know myself where actually that when my heart's really into something that it's really that the sacrifice of the Sunday morning uh, lying or whatever it may be if nothing if like it's like saying like. A sacrifice of having to open my mouth to breathe is such a, a hard work. So I think that's the key thing, really, is that this for having a continual thing for like young adults might feel, oh, I should probably go to that because if, if I, I am a young adult and kind of come along and then it gets to this time of year, November, December, and it's, it's raining, and it's cold, and they've just had a hard day at work and they've got to go out again. It's kind of, they have to really have a great love for it to To go so, it's breaking uh, through those kind of barriers that we place before the Lord. Really, giving opportunity for um true encounters. So that's why we're very keen on having um retreats uh, regularly. If it's just a retreat day or and um, or a pilgrimage, uh, because uh, these are real moments where you're taken out of your usual environment and you have an opportunity to let the Lord in, to let to let Christ um, look upon you and you look upon him. I, I've seen it where we had a group for the first time in about um, 15 years go to World Youth Day wow. and they they came back, like we had, uh, we had 20 of them and they were just absolutely on fire. Their WhatsApp group still uh, three, four months later, it's still firing messages, seeing how they all are and everything, haven't had that experience. Uh, So I'm a big believer in kind of events, pilgrimages and uh, retreats. Obviously, you can't live on the mountaintop moment, so there's got to be things to kind of follow up. But we do, all of us kind of get dragged down by the kind of day-to-dayness of of life. So I think that's uh, really key. Another area which I think um, will always um, keep our hearts on fire is opportunity of service. Uh, something that uh, Mother Teresa really spoke about if um, of actually, if it, it's in service that we we find the we go out I know if, uh, Pope Francis spoke this especially in his uh, exaltation on holiness, that we go out to the peripheries of society to bring the Lord, but actually we find the Lord there present already and um, our t- we've got one of our groups tonight and we've got a guy who uh, leads a local Christian homeless uh, charity speaking to us and that's another area that I want to develop of actually how we call a young adult in, into service of, of the poor, of the marginalised. And that will set their hearts ablaze really um, for the Lord by actually putting their love into action. So I think those kind of key things to keep the, are the, um, also, like the, we have in England uh, an MOT, uh, uh, which is an annual test your car has to go through to just make sure everything's running. So if like the kind of the MOT of our faith. We fill up each week at the, at the petrol station uh, in our parish. And then w- once a year, at least, we should be kind of going for a good kind of like checkover, either on pilgrimage or retreat, to um, to um make sure that those bits that we don't check, the tyre pressures or the... <laughs> I'm really stretching this analogy with the car now. Um, <laughs> but they kind of like change the oil and everything so that we run well. Because the the day to day kind of being a Catholic in the world, the pressures of work, of family, of trying to be a good son or daughter, friend, and that we kind of get a bit kind of lose sight of things. So having opportunity where people can go regularly on pilgrimage and just dedicate a couple of days a week uh, to uh, to being with Christ or a retreat day um, can do wonders.
2: That's huge, man! I think that's that's a great. That analogy is is spot on I think just the, mm-hmm. the giving them the the structure in order to succeed, you know you don't have to go to the m o t you know um, <laughs> but you're you're kind of especially as being part of a community and if you're bought in somewhat and your friends are are doing their due diligence and and taking advantage of these opportunities um and you maybe even begrudgingly go um. You know, to the quote unquote M.O.T. You're going to get something Mm -hmm. out of it because you've made it. So you as a leader have made the opportunity available. It's like they if they partake, they might as well get something out of it. You know, like I think we're naturally inclined to, um, you know, make the most of our situation. At least most of us are. So I think that's a really good structure, man. You know, something a lot of fun no, for, for us. Yeah.
0: And um, we're kind of coming up on an hour here. So I just want to ask you sort of a <laughs> few questions we pretty much ask everybody. First off, what was one yeah. of the biggest mistakes you made that you wouldn't want other people to make early on when you were just sort of finding your way?
1: Ah, um, a great question. Uh, I think probably one of the, before we started this, particularly in adult ministry, one of the big mistakes we made was, um, when the last when I talk about one I talked about of the times time we did that failed we did um we we had a second um one of our second uh, gatherings like our, like meeting was on the december of like of in december which most people have payday were most it was, and it was just and we had a really low attendance and we just went maybe people aren't interested and i found in every time we've launched one of these uh, probably with the exception of uh, the uh, the album whenever it's ex- Launch something like this the first week is always the most popular, or the first session is always the most popular. The second one is always the least popular. Hmm. I don't know what it is, it's just kind of like third, it kind of picks up by the fourth or fifth, you're into a bit of a rhythm, then. Um, really, but I think not to be disheartened by low numbers on the second or third uh time to kind of commit and um. With the first one also not to be um, set your stall out by what you get at the first one because some people just come to see it's new and it might not be for them at all and um, kind of with that really is um, to always be pointing to what's next because we missed that a few times when we first got going with our first group if that we didn't know what the next thing was going to be because we're like oh we've got a month to organize it where actually now we're trying to be two or three months down the line so you can go all right this is happening next month we're going to be here on this day on this another like event maybe uh, that's happening that you can get involved with so people are leaving already knowing that what the next thing is Mm -hmm. and then it's a case of then rather than kind of uh, it's just a case of reminding really what are kind of advertising through emails through whatsapp uh, through social media uh, that it's we know, we've got a continual structure we know or, like, or, or pathway that we know what's happening. So I think, yeah, making sure you're thinking three or four sessions down the line is really key and not getting too caught up on numbers, really.
2: And last question. Uh, what's something that you're glad you did in the early going um, that you want to, some wisdom you want to impart on the listener here?
1: Oh, um, that I didn't go with my first idea. So we, when we got ourselves, Father Neil, and Father Liam, got the kind of young outs together. I presented this idea of, like, oh, I'm going to have like top's going to go like this, this, and this, and it's going to be like this, and then it's got to go like this, and then it's got to go like that. And then I kind of looked, and um, some a few people were like, yeah, that's kind of okay. And I've like, I've spent three months like praying, thinking about this, and I'm certain this is where it is. And one of the big things I've tried to do now when I go into a meeting is want to have my mind changed about yeah. something and um what we came out with at the end of that meeting was much better than what i'd kind of planned on my own so yeah uh, always want to have plans ripped apart because uh the lord speaks to us in different ways right <laughs> and um and we can sometimes get really caught up with our own idea that becomes about us rather than about jesus mm-hmm. so presenting an idea because and want it to be ripped apart because it will only be ripped apart. Hope, hope you've got the right people in the room. You don't want the naysayers who just go, no, it's rubbish. You're going to give it constructive and make it better because you can't be a perfectionist on your own, but together you can get a bit closer.
0: Mm-hmm. And then um, part two of the last question. Any advice for priests out there who want to have a group but have no idea where to start?
1: Um, firstly, pray. Uh, I thought my, my first advice, pr- uh, pray and ask Christ to reveal who your your Timothy is going to be. I've kind of used that term for St. Paul and t- uh, Timothy. Uh, who's the person who's going to support you in this ministry? Then invest time in them. I kind of really speak about how this is something that you'd really love to see, that you're going to ask them to kind of support, and then ask them to support in a particular way. So if you have somebody in your parish who's, a really good musician to say we're going to do this event what I want you to do is really just give us the best music that we can have at it or if there's somebody who is um, a really good people person but like really want you to kind of take on the welcome and then if you've got one part of the evening that you even at all the or the ministry that you don't have to think about you can fully invest in that person to kind of lead and run that's one less thing to do and then more and more people will, will come forward so I'd say pray for guidance in trust and then um also thank if, if the big one like uh was really lovely after our first year uh when the priest father Liam just threw a big barbecue uh for us and um said like uh he said like we're supposed to have a meeting I don't know if to have a meeting I want us just to have some time together with the kind of leadership group to give thanks to God uh, for what we've done and uh, just have some really nice burgers <laughs> sure.
0: that's fantastic alright well thank you Joe for spending the time to talk to us and sharing the insights that are, sound pretty hard won um, oh, thank the, you. anyone who might happen to be in your area can you just share how to find you or get a hold of your groups
1: absolutely if you go to our website at the Darson website www.darsonnottingham.uk uh, you should be able to see um, uh, some information there. You can also find us on Facebook and X. I think it's now on on Twitter. Um, uh, or, oh, and uh, Instagram under Christoph Vivit, uh Knots or Nottingham, uh, which for uh, so that's uh, Christ US and then V I V I T. And you'll find us that way. Uh, or if you bang it into Google, hopefully it will come up as well.
0: Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much and thank you for everyone listening. I hope you have a great day and God bless.
1: God bless. Thank you, Evan.
0: We hope you were inspired by this podcast and we encourage you to share it on social media and warmly invite you to distribute our Catholic scapulars, medals, books, and booklets to your family, friends, parish, and social groups. Visit us online at catholiccity.com for more information. The real work of the Mary Foundation is accomplished by people just like you. There are three ways to help. First, Please pray for everyone who hears, reads, or wears our materials. Second, share them with everyone you know, family, friends, fellow parishioners, and the people you work with. Only you can reach them. Finally, please help us financially. It seems impossible, but we don't do traditional fundraising here at the Mary Foundation. We rely on your generosity and God's providence. By the way, if you, your parish, or your Catholic group would like to distribute our materials by the dozens, hundreds, or even thousands, all we ask for is help covering our materials costs so please visit us online for suggested donations. For our Canadian friends and those outside the United States, only online requests are accepted, so please refer to the special shipping rates listed on our website. Thanks for listening, and we're looking forward to working with you. May God bless you always. And now, here's a short preview of our Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet, the most popular rosary recording in the history of the world.
3: Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
4: Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.
3: For an increase in the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
4: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
3: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
4: As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end.
0: Amen. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without permission is prohibited.